You are listening to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast, and this is episode number 51. Welcome to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the chorus of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Hey, Star Chasers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance. I'm your host, Monique Malcolm, and the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast is a show for creative entrepreneurs who want to leverage their talents, their skills, or their passions to build thriving online creative businesses. And it goes down here every single week with inspiring interviews from amazing entrepreneurs, as well as solo episodes where I share bits and pieces of my own journey, as well as actionable tips and strategies for you to try out for yourself. And before we get into today's episode, I want to pause right here for just a moment to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Visionary Journal. The Visionary Journal is a day planner with vision, encompassing everything you need to successfully achieve your goals. It seamlessly blends setting goals, a vision board, planning your day-to-day, and monthly review to help you get from idea to done. To learn more about the Visionary Journal, you can visit visionaryjournal.co. This episode is also brought to you by The Fear Guide. Silence your fear and take action. If the course of fear is regularly singing you out of your dreams, you need to grab this short, jam-packed read with exercises that will help you silence those internal voices of fear long enough to take the next teeny tiny step. So grab a copy by visiting thefearguide.com. All right, now that we've gotten those formalities out of the way, you guys, today is our second episode in our Fearless series. So not fearless, but fearless. And I have my other business bestie on the line with us today. It's Siobhan Sudbury of the Be Free Project. She's back on the show. You guys may have remember her from a few episodes ago where we talked about getting clarity. And then she was also on our one-time book club episode that I promise we're going to bring that back eventually. (laughs) But you guys say hi to Siobhan. Siobhan, what's up? Hello, hello. Look, I'm excited to be back. I'm really um, looking forward to this conversation. And that's so funny. We did do our one book chat. I know. That was fun, though. It was fun. We got to do it. We got to bring it back. We keep on saying that, but we have to make an effort to do that. But today, Siobhan and I... Well, let me let you introduce yourself. Tell people who you, well, they know who you are, but let them know what you do. And then we'll talk about what today's episode is about. Awesome. So I am a clarity cultivator. So what I do is I teach women how to get unstuck, how to get clear about what they want so that they can cultivate the life that they deserve. I am also the host of the Girl Be Free podcast, and I am a motivational speaker, just to sum everything up in one little box, I guess. (laughs) Yes. And what Siobhan did not mention is that she also hosts her own events and she did a bunch of events last year. So that is why she is our expert today on how to host your very first event. During our fearless series, we are talking about things that people tell me that they're afraid to do that I think they need to go out and do like now, not wait until someday, but put it on the calendar and make a plan to do it now. And hosting events is one of those things. I know there's so many people who have really cool and unique event ideas, but they're afraid to do it. And so Siobhan has been doing a number of events, also hosted 
She's been doing them in multiple cities and sometimes they're collaborative and we're going to get into all the juicy details of that. But first, let's talk about why people are afraid to throw their own events. Why do you think that is, Siobhan? First off, that's so funny that I forgot to even mention that. And that's the reason I'm on the show, <laughs> like the events. Um, I think the reason that people are fearful of hosting events because they're number one, and this is something that I feared in the beginning as well. Are people going to show up? Do I have something valuable to bring to the table? And also setting that price point to make sure that people are going to pay what you feel the content is worth. Those are like the, I guess, the things that come to mind first, why people are afraid to host an event. And then the fear of public speaking. So if it's not something that you've done before, you're not comfortable with speaking to a group of people, then it could be that um, you may feel intimidated um, by taking action and doing it. And I just want to make a note here. Your events don't always have to be public speaking related. We will be talking mostly about that because that's what Siobhan does at these events. But your event could be like a paint party or a vision board party or an act, some type of outdoor activity. I have a friend, Andrea, who creates experiences for people uh, outside of the box, outside of the norm of what they would be doing. She takes people to the rodeo and stand up paddle boarding and rock climbing. So it can be an experiential event, which is a little different, but I think a lot of the things will still apply. Absolutely. I do agree with everything that you said about why people are afraid to host their own events. I think a lot of these spheres are universal kind of across all of the topics that we're going to be covering in this series. It's just, it's that fear of standing up and delivering. It's like, I told people I was going to do this thing and now I have to do it. And if they paid for it, the pressure is on even more because it's like, oh, now I have to stand and deliver and it has to be amazing. And I want to wow people and I want it to be perfect because I don't want them to judge me. I don't want them to say that this event was stupid. I don't want them to badmouth me. And that can be a lot of pressure. And as you mentioned, really intimidating. Yes. And you know what? I know we're going to get into all of this, but one, when you just said that, what popped into my mind, I had this event the year before last, and it was one of my Be Free Life classes, and this young lady drove from Maryland to Cleveland. And initially, I she was in Cleveland. She was like, no, I drove here this morning. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, well, where are you from? And she was like, Maryland. And I'm like, you drove all the way from Maryland to Cleveland? And then someone was like, well, how many tolls did you have to pay? And she was like, she drove an additional hour to avoid the tolls. So when she told me how long she had drove, Instantly, I felt anxiety because I'm like, oh, shoot, like I really got to deliver because she drove that amount of time. And I had to I felt pressure like I hope she feels like she gets what she drove here for, you know. Um, So that is definitely a fear, whether they're driving from afar, they're flying in or if they're local, like you just hope that you can deliver and meet their expectations based on what you told them you will be bringing to the table. Just for. uh informational purposes how far was that drive seven hours oh no (laughs) yeah right seven hour drive and she had came that morning and then she had left back out the following day so she had booked a hotel overnight and that wasn't the first time that someone had driven from maryland to cleveland um just to come to my event so and then this young lady um valerie Um, she, my last event happened to be on her birthday and she flew in from North Carolina 
to Cleveland to celebrate her birthday at the last Be Free Life class. See, amazing, amazing. This is what happens when you show up and you do the thing that you were supposed to do. So let's go back a little bit. Tell us about your first event. How did that come about? What was it? Well, let me first tell you why I decided to start hosting events. So I launched Be Free Project in February of 2014. And as I was doing all this work, being a solopreneur, I felt like there was something missing. Like I wanted to start having conversations with people who look like me, who wanted to talk about things more than just what was happening on reality TV. Like I needed purpose, passion driven conversations. And because I couldn't find that when I did like a Google search, I decided to start hosting my own events. So I didn't start Be Free Project like, oh yeah, I'm gonna start having events too. I just couldn't find what I needed, so I decided to start hosting these events. So my first one was May of 2014, and I ended up connecting with someone here in Cleveland. He has like a real estate firm, and he let me rent out his conference room. And I just put on social media that I was gonna have my first event. Um, 13 women showed up, about half of them were my friends. And that, I was so nervous because this is totally out, or that was totally out of my comfort zone because I had never did anything like that before. And so I remember when everyone was coming in, I stayed seated the whole time because I was nervous. Um, I kept myself planted and then I had my hands on my notebook just trying to keep the conversation going, but still feeling so much anxiety. And then after it was over, like so many women raved about it, like this is just what we needed. And that lit a fire under me. Like, no, it wasn't just me feeling like I wanted to be around spaces with women having, you know, these conversations and like-minded women that were doing similar work than me. Like there were other people that felt the same way. And so then I just continued to have them from then on. But the first one was very, very scary because I'm like, what the heck are you out here doing? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, So Siobhan is our expert. I have done one event and that was uh in january of 2015 i hosted a vision board party and also like an informal announcement uh that the visionary journal was coming for the first time and so i rented out there there was a coffee shop in orlando that had an actual room in the back where it had a door and it had its own bathroom and there were tables and you could set it up the way that you wanted to and i made a little photo booth and i decorated it all super cute And I had people creating their vision boards and and writing like a message and taking a picture for themselves so that they could look back at it at the end of the year. And it was such a good time. And people still ask me every January, like, are you going to throw a vision board party? I don't do it. But (laughs) but, um, throwing an event or several events, I have some an idea specifically for an event that I want to put on in a couple different cities. I just have not put the first step towards doing that. But like you, that first event is super thrilling, like to have people come and like take time out of their day to spend however long it is with you and listen to what you have to say and just create something in that space. It it really is a, a situation where you feel like everything is right in that moment because you just realize what you're saying is like impactful enough that people would take time out of their busy schedules to spend it with you. Yes. And I think that's just so magical. Yep, Yep, it is. And just to feed off of their energy and have that human interaction. And this is what I feel like. Like, yes, social media is great, but I feel like 
people want more connection with real life people and to be in a room where they can have these conversations and just feed off of each other's energy. Like I'm noticing that more and more as I host events. And I think, look, I think we all should be hosting some type of event just to connect with our audience outside of social media. Oh, that's, I I think that's 100% true. Like everybody is craving connections. I, I think that we overlook the fact that people really are lonely. Uh, We have social media and we're so interconnected online, but I think that also puts like this bigger void between people because they're just spending so much time online and they're not going out and making connections or more people are working remotely or starting businesses and they are forming these relationships or these friendships online and not actually interacting face to face with people. And there, I think, especially with like the glamorization of social media and the rise of the influencers, there's a lot of people who feel very much alone and feel like they're, they're in this space by themselves. There are other people who they can relate to, or maybe they're not those kind of people in their regular social circle and they don't know how to find it. And so there is this feeling of like, disconnectedness, even though we are all connected digitally now. So definitely we should be stepping from behind our computers and getting face to face and talking with people, which is one of the reasons why I love attending conferences so much. I do so much better in person than I do online, like hands over every single time. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what happens if an event doesn't meet your expectations. Because on the flip side, you had this first event, you had 13 women come out. It was great. It lit a fire under you. You decided that you want to do this more often. But what happens if you throw an event and it just doesn't meet your expectations turnout wise? So let me kind of put the, let me give you the backstory or whatever. So when I had my first event, and I realized like people wanted it because I was lonely, like sitting behind the computer. So that was like, the, one of the reasons why I decided to do it. I then decided that I would do them like when there was a, uh, when I could fit it in my schedule. So I probably had an event like every two to three months. Right. And so I was building, you know, engagement and people were interested. Sometimes people would ask, but in the very beginning, like there were times when there would be like 13 women that would show up. I decided to test out a Sunday and only eight women came. There was one time um, three women showed up and then up until last year, I was selling them out at over 30 women um, for multiple months. So there's been a growth like over time and trying to figure out what topics people were interested in. I had to continue to find venues. So in the beginning, we were just in a conference room at a real estate company. Then we moved to a training place at this co-working space that I was a part of now into like the greenhouse, which is a co-working space I work from. So there's been a lot of different spaces that I've held my events at. And when it doesn't meet my expectations, I can't say that it doesn't meet my expectations, but when turnout's lower. Yeah. Yeah. When turnout is lower, it does kind of, um, what's the way it does something. I can't think of the word or the phrase that I'm trying to say or whatever. Like I feel some kind of way, but then at the end of the day, I'm like, I created this content. I know that it's good. I know that it's valuable. So whether 30 people show up or three people show up, I'm still going to deliver. And I refuse to cancel because I feel like the people that purchase a ticket, those are the people that are supposed to be in the room. And 
I, I was sharing with you before the call, I've only had to cancel one time and it was last year due to the weather. But if people wouldn't have kept messaging me like, you know, we're having a snowstorm, right? Um, I was going to have that event no matter what, because I just feel like the people that can make it, they can make it and they're supposed to be there. Um, and that's how I feel about it. So it's not a good feeling when you only have a few people in the room, but it always ends up to be exactly the way that it's supposed to be. And I kept, even with the three people in the room, which that was like several years ago, it didn't crush me where I wasn't going to have an event again. It's like, okay, what do you need to tweak? What do you need to do differently? Why didn't this resonate with people? Was it the price point? Was it the content? Was it the space? Um, and then I always survey my audience to kind of figure out like, what do they want more of? I hope that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And I love that that whole idea of like perspective or, or taking that data and trying to figure out where can I tweak this for next time? So not taking like, oh, only three people showed up. What was me? Nobody wants this. Like, no, that's not the case. Now you need to figure out like, what was it about this particular event that didn't work for people? So that way you can improve upon it or you just don't do that again in the future. So no, that makes perfect sense to me. And I will say the one that where the three people showed up, I had tested a three part series. So if you came to the first one, then it would piggyback off the, you know, if it, the second one will piggyback off the first one and so forth. And so it was a three part series. So I feel like if people didn't come to the first one, then, oh, I missed the content. So I'm not going to come to the first and second one. So, and that was the first time that I ever did it. And I never did that again. I'm like, we're just going to do single <laughs> events and every, each one will be its own because I just didn't feel like it went over the way that I had thought about it in my mind. All right. Fair enough. So at this point, I want to talk about collaborative events because you've done several collaborative events. You've done several collaborative events in other states. So let's talk about that. What are some of the benefits of collaborations and how did those partnerships come about? Yeah. So the one event that I had in October of 2017, I partnered with Alicia from Living Over Existing. And we have been online friends for a while and we talk about very similar content. So I reached out to her and I'm like, hey, I want to host an event in another state and you're in North Carolina. Would you be open to doing it? And she was like, absolutely. And because I knew the state that I wanted to go to and she was already there, it was very helpful to have someone that can kind of go look at venues and have more have more knowledge about that city than I did. And so that was a great collaboration. We had I forgot the name of the space that it was at, but it was so Pinterest friendly. Um, it had these beautiful windows and lots of lighting and it was a beautiful venue. And we ended up having 26 women that came out to that event. And um, about it was a good portion of them that had come from other states. So it was in Raleigh, North Carolina, but women had come from Virginia, Georgia, Maryland, South Carolina, and then different parts of North Carolina. And one lady in particular, she had drove four and a half hours to get there. And it was just, it was a success. It was a great event. And it actually lit a fire under me to know that, okay, I can go to another state. I can collaborate with someone else and people will show up. And so now that's something that, and we can probably talk about this a little later, that I'm going to be doing the same thing in 2019 is going to other states and hosting these events and collaborating with more women. And as far as the collaboration goes, let's talk about the work of a collaboration, because obviously if you're collaborating with somebody, you don't want to do all the work. You don't want to saddle all the work on them. So how did you guys decide on who was going to do what or, or split your work? Yeah. So the name of the event was Purpose, Passion, Action. 
And so we both talk about purpose. Um, and so we kind of did that one together. And then she talks a lot about like passion and finding your sweet spot. So she handled that section. And then action, the action section, like we kind of collaborated and came up with our own tips. And so every two weeks we will hop on Skype and kind of go over the content that we wanted to share. And one of the things, so she handled creating the presentation and doing the workbook because she's really good at graphic design. And then I did more of the legwork when it came to finding the sponsors. So because we wanted to have a nice swag bag, which we had an amazing swag bag. Um, so we kind of just divvied up what we wanted to do or whatever. And we just took control over. And then as far as the money part, we just decided to split it right down the middle. So whatever we made, she would get half and I would get half. And we did it that way. Oh, put a pin on this, but I want I want to talk about sponsors towards the end. Okay. <laughs> but before we even get to sponsors, okay, we talked about collaborations. We talked about why people are afraid to do events. We talked about your first event. What? Let's talk about finding venues because I think that is one of the the bigger things that people are kind of afraid of because it's like, how do I find a venue? Who can I even ask? How much is it going to cost? So what are some practical ways that people can find venues to host their events? So I would first think about, do you have any friends that own companies <laughs> that can actually rent you out their space, especially if it's your first one, because you want to keep the cost really, really low. So for me, I had a friend, you know, they are real. Well, he's a realtor or whatever, and they had that space. And so they opened it up to me and it was very, very, very affordable. And then as far as like, as I continue to grow, I looked at spaces that were a low cost or if I could barter with them. So if I have something that I can bring to the table, nine times out of 10, I try to pitch a venue. This is my audience. I have a significant social media following. I can get this many people into your space that maybe didn't know about you before, but now they will be aware of your business. And now those are potential new customers for you. And when I, when I position it that way, Nine times out of 10, people are more open to it because now they're getting more exposure to their company than they would have if I never showed up. And so I do have a pitch deck that I use um, to pitch myself into certain venues. But in the beginning, I didn't. So I would just kind of call around. So that venue, I knew about the real estate company. And then when I outgrew that, when we had like a nice amount of people and we couldn't fit into that office anymore, then I went to a larger co-working space. I've also went to coffee shops. Um, I haven't done a library because I know here in Ohio, you have to be a nonprofit in order for it to be free. And so if you're charging for people to come, the library won't let you come in. Um, but I like coffee shops. You know, if you want to do a free event, you can definitely do the library and just find a venue that makes sense for the amount of people that you can have. And I always think to start small. And then if you once you start selling tickets and you feel like, oh, this venue is not going to be enough, then you can always look and find something else. But those are the top and co-working spaces. Look into those as well. Oh, yeah. Co-working spaces are great. And even sometimes restaurants like restaurants have those little meeting rooms uh, that are separate, separate. And usually uh, you may not have to pay for the space, but you'll have to pay for like a certain amount of drinks. But I mean, if you told people appetizers were covered and they had to buy their own drinks and dinner, I mean, that's still a draw and you could easily meet your minimum spend requirement that way. So I think there's a lot of ways to be creative with how you get space um, and especially co-working spaces, churches, churches want to throw events and they have event space. Like there's a lot of different ways 
that you can you can find spaces. I was gonna say even apartment buildings. You know how they have their um, like party rooms or whatever. Oh yeah. You can if you know someone that lives in an apartment or whatever, you can rent those out. Um, I did do a coffee shop, and that when I was hosting the events at the coffee, shop, it was a free event, and I did let people know um, that they had to purchase their own like bakery and coffee or whatever. And they were totally open to that. And I actually did that like two or three times. And the owner was very happy (laughs) to have us come in because we had like 18 to 20 women that showed up on a Friday night when business is slow. Oh, so see, that's, that's a smart thing to think about. Like peak times for businesses. When are they slow? When can you go in and offer like, Hey, I'm going to bring in a group of people and we need a space. Can you do it in in one of their non-peak times? So that way they get something out of the deal. I think I think the lesson here is just be creative. Don't feel like it has to be one specific way that you do this. Be open and flexible and and think about what you can bring to the table, like Siobhan said, for the person who owns the space. How can you make this a mutually beneficial situation? Because a lot of times you can barter for a space or get it at a reduced price if you position it properly and you show that person like this benefits you too. It's not just about me. So think about how you can give, not just receive. That's what we did in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, Alicia had found out about this space. So she had held an event at one of their locations and they had just opened a brand new location ideally, or actually in October. And that's when I was going there. And so they gave us the space at no cost because they wanted more visibility on this brand new space. And the way that we positioned it is like when we combined our social media um, following and we told them everything that we were going to do as it relates to promoting it, they were like, absolutely. So that was like perfect timing for us. Boom, shakalaka, just get creative. (laughs) Yes. All right, so we talked about finding a venue. What are some things that you have learned about pricing? Because I know that this, again, this is all about fear. So this is another scary topic. People always want to know, how do you price? What's the perfect price? And I just want you to know, I get this question a lot. How do you price? What's the perfect price? There is no perfect price, except for the price that's perfect for you and your audience. And you don't know that until you start trying to sell things or you start trying to pitch things and make offers. You don't know what your audience is willing to pay for. So I just want to throw that out there before Siobhan answers, like you got to test a few things. (laughs) You do. And I think it depends on the market and where you live. And I'm learning that more and more. So in the beginning, when I was hosting, I called them Be Free Life classes and they were $10 a session per person and they were three hours. And I was providing like light refreshments. And so I did that a couple of times. But what was happening, I was in a rant. I wasn't making no money. Like, so I was like, I cannot keep doing this, um, especially three hours of my time and then buying refreshments or whatever and only charging $10. So then I went up to the, for those, I went up to, I believe, $20. And there was so much fear around increasing the price because I'm like, will people come? You know, are they going to feel like that's too much? Even though I feel like I need to be paid a little bit more. So I eventually got to $20, then I got to 25. So that's just the Be Free Life class. Then with the Be Free meetups, which those were more like building awareness around Be Free projects. So just getting women together to have light conversation, teach them what, or inform them what Be Free Project was about, what I was doing, and those were used to kind of sell tickets for the Be Free Life class. So those started off at the coffee shops and they were free. 
And I would get like the very first one that I had, 86 people signed up, right? And um, they signed up on Eventbrite, but only 18, around 18 or 19 people showed up in person. So I was like, okay, yes, this was great to capture all those emails, but I just took about two to three hours of my time and only 18 people showed up. So I did it two more times. And then I said, now I'm going to charge because now there's an interest for this particular event. And so I started charging $10, I think 10 or $15 for those events. And then I got them up to $25 for the meetups because they were very, very, very valuable. And I, what struck a chord, I guess, with me is that people would come and then when I was charging like 10 or $15, they would say, why aren't you charging more? You're giving us food. You're giving us three hours of this conversation that we're not having anywhere else. Why are you charging so little? And so I realized that it was something that I had to work on in myself. Like, okay, this is a little bit of money and I am providing and giving a lot. And so I had to focus on the value that I was delivering. And so I did increase the price to 25 and I was very comfortable with that particular event. And then with the Be Free Life classes, it ranges from 45 to $60 because it's more teaching. And so both of those price points are really, I feel that they're good for what I'm doing and it may increase, but I have to be mindful of my market and what people are used to and what they're exposed to versus just putting a high ticket on something. Cause then you can kind of funnel people out before they even get a chance to be aware of what you're offering. Mm, I love that. And I love what you just said about pricing being a factor that repels the wrong people. Uh, sometimes we don't think a lot about that in our business and we're just happy to make a few dollars. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you're starting out, you are trying to get all the money that you can because this is all so scary and you want to be paid for these things as a way to validate that your idea works and that it's needed. But also don't be afraid. Like if you're if you're providing an event that's high touch, you are, I mean, giving swag bags and it's a lot of time and you're putting a lot of effort into this. Don't be afraid to charge a decent amount because you want to only bring in the right people. You don't want to attract people who are going to be nickel and diming and complaining and feeling like you should have gave them the moon because they spent $10. Like you don't want those kind of people. And it may take a few events for you to get comfortable enough to realize that there are people like that coming to your events. But uh, don't be afraid to, to put a good price tag on the value that you bring during your events because it's important. And then I want to kind of circle back to the collaboration part because I forgot to add this. One of the things that I would do in the very beginning is that I wanted to highlight other entrepreneurs who are in my city, like amazing women that were doing great things that people didn't necessarily know about. So at the Be Free Life classes, like if there was a personal stylist that I knew, I would have her come in and she could speak for 45 minutes, pitch to my audience. I would you know, promote her on social media and that gave her more exposure to her brand. So I did a personal stylist, I did a hairstylist, I did someone who did like uh, physical fitness, like a personal trainer. Like I brought a lot of women in to add value to the conversation. So it wasn't just me speaking all the time, but I was bringing other people in to speak as well. So when you think about that, like that is valuable in itself because now you have this one-on-one exposure with someone that maybe you couldn't touch or maybe you didn't even know about, but now you can 
learn not just what I'm sharing from um, the life coaching perspective, but now this other person is coming in with their expertise. So I just want to point that out, that I wasn't just collaborating with people in other cities and states, but also collaborating with people in my own city to kind of connect and support one another. Oh, thank you for making that point. I think that that's a, actually a really great point and a good way for people to think outside of the box about how they can get their events filled. Because if you're collaborating with a personal trainer or a hairstylist, a hairdresser, whatever, they have clients that they can tell and they have probably their own working venues where they can put up a flyer or promote or offer something that way too. So I think that's an excellent point. So thank you for bringing that back. All right. So manpower, how do you manage an event? Because you're a one woman shop pretty much like I am. And when you're having an event, there's a lot that needs to be managed. I mean, you plan the event, you need to be there to host the event. Somebody needs to sign people in. If you have products that you're selling at the event, you need somebody to check those people out. So how do you manage all these moving pieces on the event day? Oh, girl. Oh, my goodness. So let me, I, I feel like I have so much to say about all this. And I didn't even realize it, but I'm like, oh, my goodness. So in the very beginning, I was doing it all on my own, all of it, promoting it, setting up. I mean, my friends, if they had availability in their schedule, like they would come and help um, and do the sign in. But for the most part, it was Siobhan Sudbury and it was overwhelming. It was stressful, especially with the marketing piece, trying to sell the tickets, get the people there, set up, make sure you got the food, have my material a lot. So in 2018, I decided that I was going to have an event every single month. Um, every single month, which don't ask me how I did it, but I did. And I knew that I could not do that on my own. So I decided to reach out and get people to volunteer for me. And so I put out a post on social media that you had to be in Cleveland. I'll leave the, that to whatever, because someone <laughs> actually was in Arkansas and was like, I can volunteer. And I'm like, you know, ma'am, I can't fly you in to volunteer. But anywho, so I put out a post for people to volunteer. You had to be in the Cleveland area and people reached out and it was like, I would love to help you. And this is very important because I feel like we as women don't ask for help enough and we feel like we have to do it on our own. But then if you just put it out there like, hey, I need help to do X, Y, and Z, you never know who's been waiting for you to ask um, to help you, whatever you're doing. So I got volunteers. I did a whole volunteer orientation and everything. And so every single month I had a staff of like four to five women that were helping me. And what ended up happening is I had someone to do the sign in. Then I had a spotlight. So if you volunteered to bring food, if you were an entrepreneur or you just wanted to get up and talk to the people, you had 10 minutes of shine time. And so that way I didn't have to eat that cost. And it created a different experience for the audience and having volunteers. So I had someone to greet you when you came to the door. There was someone to sign you in. Then someone to help me set up and break down. And then I also had my friend Brittany who would do the video for me. So then that way I didn't have to worry about taking pictures and posting on social media. Like she handled all of that. So volunteers is everything. Um, and I think just reaching out and just saying, hey, I'm gonna need help for this and making sure that you cover all your bases so you don't have to do it all on your own. Um, as far as the marketing piece, I create all my graphics. I did all the promotion. Um, in the beginning, I would personally reach out to people and say, hey, can you share this with your audience? But then it got to a point where I didn't want to do that anymore. Like if you saw it and you felt inclined to share it, great. If not, 
that's fine too. Um, but I did a lot of, you know, just getting into people's inbox, sending newsletters frequently, promoting the event. I think that's the big part, like marketing and promoting it just to get the people um, aware of what you have going on. Did I answer your question? You did. And you actually oh. gave a, a nice segue into marketing and promoting. So let's talk about okay. some of the ways that you have done that. Because Siobhan, last year, when she told me she was going to do an event every month, in my mind, I was like, girl, that's crazy. Why would you even do that? <laughs> and as the months progressed and she kept on having dates for the next event, I kept on thinking, girl, that's crazy. But she did those events and she, like I said, she did, you know, different collaborative events. She tried a bunch of different things, a lot of experimentation. And I got to be like behind the scenes and watch how some of that went down. And finally, I just told her, I was like, I need you to do no more events this year because it's too much. You're tired. Yes. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> You're spending so much time marketing these events. But I think for her, it was just a really, really solid way to validate you know, is she on the right path with the content and is she on the right path as a speaker and, and really trying to reach the women that she wanted to in her city. So I think overall it was a great experience, but it also was a great experience in marketing and promotion, because if you're doing an event every single month, you got to market and promote every single month. So talk about that. <laughs> Girl, I'm like, you see me? I'm like, oh my gosh. So let me just put a pin there because I had over 20 events last year. So not just so in the very beginning of the year, like for the first four months, there was two events per month. So there was a be free meetup and there was a be free life class. And then I stopped doing the be free life classes and continue with the be free meetups every month. But then I added on hair salons because I was like, well, I need to get my target audience to these events. And where does she go? She goes to the hair salon. She gets her hair done. She gets her nails done. But it's, she focused on her outer appearance, but not so much like doing the inner work. So then I did like five hair salons last year in addition to the events that I was already doing. And what became very stressful, like you were you know, getting into, is that once an event was over, I immediately had to start promoting that next event and not just promoting the event, but also recapping the previous event. Like, oh, this is what happened last month. And now I need to, you to buy another ticket. Um, so that was very overwhelming for me. And I didn't realize how much work that was going to be until I got into it. So thank you for telling me <laughs> um, to stop in October because that was and it ended on a high note for sure, but I'm like, I was done. So as far as the marketing promoting, marketing and promoting, I was very strategic. So I, you know, had the event set up on my website and because I knew that I was having them every single month, I already had them on my website. So you can pick and choose which events that you wanted to go to. Um, I also partnered with other people, other companies. So I work, I went to Mocha, which is our, um, modern contemporary art museum here in Cleveland to bring awareness to the museum, but then also get my people out of like our co-working space and to try something different. I also partnered with the Cleveland Urban Film Festival because they were having a film festival in September. So then I was able to host an event with them and um, get more awareness to what I was doing or whatever. So as far as like when it came to the marketing, like having the events already on my website, testing out new venues that I felt like my audience would want to try out, um, setting up Eventbrite, um, sending out newsletters, promoting on social media, 
sending specifically sending the ad or the graphic that I created to my friends and asking them to text it out to their friends or to share it on social. I said, no pressure, but if you feel like, even if you can't make it, share this link with someone else that may can make it. And that was really beneficial for me because like I said, in the beginning, it was a slow thing because people are like, oh, we're doing this every month. So the I was constantly getting new people in the door. Then there were a lot of repeat people, but then I also had to be more strategic in making sure that um, I was offering the right content that people were interested in. Um, so that was like my marketing strategy. I think, I think I covered everything with that. <laughs> I think so. I'm sure I missed something, but I, for the most part, that's what I did. And then for sponsors, cause you mentioned that with your collaborations that you had a swag bag when you did that event with Alicia can you talk a little bit about how you went about pitching sponsors? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? Like, how was that process? So what we did for that particular event is that we put on social that we were looking for sponsors and women just started saying, hey, I want to do it. And so we started collecting those names. We built a spreadsheet. And I also reached out to friends that I knew that had had events like, who did you work with? And you think would they be open to working with us as well? And they were. So we had this one lady, I forgot the name of her company, but she gave us planners, like actual planners for 2018 or yeah, for 2018. And they were valued at like $65. And then we had people that donated um, candles and soap, loan deodorant, gave us deodorant and um, bath bomb or something like that. Like there was a lot of people that raised their hand and they were all women. And these swag bags that these women got at the event in um, Raleigh, they had like 17 products in them. And it was just us. This is what we're doing. We did have a pitch letter. And um, this is what we're offering. And we need this amount. And we said, in return, we will highlight you at our event. We will promote you on social media. You will get a certain amount of tweets and Instagram stories and all that jazz. So then that way they got more visibility to their brand. And many of the companies that we work with, they're still getting clicks to their website because it's, we each wrote a blog post about it. They're still getting visibility on their website just from our post or from our event. Um, so that's one way that I w we went about it specifically for that event. And then as far as here in Cleveland, I partner with a com company or co-working space called The Greenhouse where I help manage their space and then I'm able to have my events there every single month. So then that was helpful as well. That gave them more visibility. People who came to my event would then rent out their space to host their own events. Um, so those are the things that come to mind. And then I will say having these events every month helped me or actually since I launched my business, helped me create a blueprint of me hosting my retreat later this year. Cause now I understand the marketing piece. I understand what I need to be doing and what I don't need to be doing. Um, the type of content that my audience needs and wants. And now I can have a bigger event versus having these events every single month. Awesome. And then finally, let's kind of wrap this up with my favorite thing, this is like the unofficial Pimp Your Brilliance Action Challenge. Because, you know, I feel like everything that you said has been really actionable. But I want to leave it, leave us on a three things that people can put into action like right now, today. If if you sold them on putting together their first event, and I hope after listening to this, like they're like, yes, I'm going to do an event. Siobhan did 20 events last year and I could do it too. What are the three things that you would tell them to do? 
Number one, decide on the topic that you want to cover, that you have knowledge in, right? So even if you want to create a vision board party or whatever your expertise is, how can you teach that to someone else that doesn't know what you know, right? So that's number one. Um, Number two, find a low cost or free venue. So that way you don't have to spend a lot of money on finding a space and you can kind of have more profit. So if you can barter with a company or an organization, like I mentioned earlier, I highly recommend that. Um, And then decide on a date and just do it. Like the only way that you're going to be able to push past the fear if you want to host an event is to do it. And then once you do it the first time, trust me, you will build that momentum to do it over and over again, especially if you really enjoy it. Um, And then I have one more thing Um, to think with the end in mind. So decide on the date, what you're going to, the topic you're going to teach, and then just kind of work your way backwards and think about everything that you need to have in place so that event can meet your expectations. Mm, Thank you. I think those were all really great. Okay. So to wrap this up, let's leave the people with a little pep talk. What's your, what's your get out of your comfort zone, kick fear in the crotch, like pep talk. Just do it. Like, what are you waiting on? And I always ask my clients, like, how bad do you want it? And I just feel like when you want something bad enough, like you're going to do whatever you have to do to make it happen. And at the end of the day, what's the worst that can happen? As long as you don't die when you hold this this event, you're going to be okay. And so when I had my first one, I was very nervous. I had the butterflies in my stomach, but I still did it. And then again, that built my momentum to keep doing it over and over again, where now I feel like, all right, let's do it. When is the next one? I'm ready. Um, So I just say, push past your fears. And the quote that I want to leave everyone with, and I share this all the time, is to feel the fear and do it anyway. All right. And I think I'm going to be brief, but the little pep talk that I want to give you about hosting your own event. And I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm saying it to anybody else, because I know I need to host uh, some events about fear. My, my fear workshop has gotten really rave reviews. And it's one of those things I'm like, I should be doing this in more places and not just waiting to do them at conferences because I can't reach enough people if I have to wait until I can do it at a conference. But anyway, I, I say this to people all the time. You are amazing. You are the only you. There's 7 billion people on this planet. There's only one you. There's, you're the only person that is you who has your particular skills, your particular passions, your particular quirks. You are uniquely positioned to tell a story and a story that's yours, to share lessons that are yours. And there are people who are waiting to hear from you, who need to hear from you. They're not even just waiting. They need you. They could be stuck in their life. They could be feeling alone. They could feel like nobody relates to them, but you do. You have something that you can share. That would be great for them to learn, great for them to experience. And in a way, it's kind of inherently selfish for you to not step into your power, your purpose, own your story, and help these people move on to the next level. Because you are uniquely positioned to do that. You and all of your perfectly flawed brilliance, you are the person for them. And they don't know it yet, but you are. And so you need to get out there and stop acting funny and pimp your damn brilliance. So that's, that's what I, (laughs) that's my pep talk. Pimp your brilliance. Stop, stop sitting on the sidelines. There, there are people who are waiting for you to show up because we all need you. 
And I, my favorite quote, my favorite, favorite quote is by Sarah, I think her name is Sarah Bartnick or something like that. And it is the world needs dreamers and the world needs doers, but most of all, the world needs dreamers who do. And I believe that like, so like at the pits of my soul to be true. So if you have an event, an idea, don't sit on it and get it out there and, and see what happens. And uh, with that, I'm going to let Siobhan tell you guys how you can find her online because she's all over the Internet. Yes, thank you. And one more thing to add, because that was so powerful. I'm like, yes, 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 <laughs> all of that. Um, but stop waiting on people to give you permission. That is one of the things that I decided that I wasn't going to wait because my big dream is to speak at Essence Fest and I was not going to wait for Essence Fest to find me. I'm going to give myself permission to show up so that I'm going to be prepared when they call. Um, so I just want to add that in there. Um, but you can find me everywhere on the internet, like you said, at Be Free Project. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. And then my podcast is called Girl Be Free, where you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And then I am excited to announce that I will be hosting my first retreat this year in October of 2019 called the Girl Be Free Retreat. And I am going to be announcing that really soon. So stay tuned. Oh, yes. and my website is BeFreeProject.com. <laughs> I was going to tell them that for you. But yes, uh, definitely check out her podcast, hop on her email list and follow her because she's my best niece. So if you're listening to this show, uh, you probably would dig her too because she's pretty awesome. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing it with us all of your expertise because you are an expert at events you did 20 last year <laughs> right that's so and, crazy hearing yeah, it out loud but you did it and um i think it's just really really powerful to hear from somebody who is you know talking the talk and walking the walk and you figured it out by yourself no crazy courses no weird marketing schemes you just you made it work so thank you for being on the show and you guys, if you like this episode, please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. I tell you guys all the time, reviews are freaking gold to podcasters. So leave us a review. Give us some feedback. Let us know how we did. Also, share the show with a friend. You got a friend that wants to throw an event? Send them here. This is the show for them. If you have a favorite part of this episode, definitely take a little screen grab. Share it on Instagram. Share it in your Insta stories. You can tag me at Star Chasers Only. You can tag Siobhan at Be Free Project. We would love to see and hear your feedback. And with that, I'm going to leave you guys until next week. But in the meantime, go out there and pimp your brilliance.